0: To head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris
1: from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. Third.
0: A foot race the other way. It doesn't get
1: much better than this,
0: folks. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan.
1: Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of the Stateside Soccer Show. I am Jordan Wigan. I've been here for all 100. And with me today is a man who is not, uh, who joined us 17 episodes in,
2: Logan Stump. Okay, first of all, um, (laughs) you actually, technically, technically, you have been here for 100. But I do want to say it's like 99 and a half because I had to do the Houston episode last year by myself. So technically, I did the I did the intro and the the end. I should have recorded the (laughs) intro. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I had a chance to just kind of, you know. Take this winds out of your sail, but I guess uh, those will be for later days.
1: Yeah, well, if you end up doing any while I'm gone, uh, for the two days I'm gone. I'll catch up?
2: Yeah, yeah, you'll be able
1: to, to start catching up. But yeah, episode 100, I can't believe we're here. Um, like I said, I'd, I'd done like 16 of these without you, and that was at the end of the 2020 season. And then 2021 season, we... Um, uh you came on we did like an intro to mls episode then we uh start doing our previews and you know throughout the whole year it took us to i think like episode 80 something and then we started yeah. doing the previews again and it just pushes us to where we're doing like three or four of these a week where <laughs> we easily get to episode 100 but it is a milestone we got here faster than we did stoppage time soccer show which started before this show <laughs> um This is actually probably the the longest podcast I've ever done uh, out of all of them. I don't think I've ever gotten to episode a hundred. I'm not sure about like behind the dreams. I don't think we did a hundred. We weren't as consistent. So I do want to thank you, Logan, because if you hadn't joined this one probably would have fizzled out as well, but
2: um, it's been fun. Like I've really, I thoroughly enjoyed getting to know the league Um, I, again, I was one of those fans and you can kind of come at me if you want, but I was one of those fans that um, like initially I looked at MLS and I had started to kind of watch it in 2014 in between our college programs because I started watching Orlando City knowing that I'd probably be back in Orlando and I've never lived in a city with a professional team that I like. So I wanted to do at least follow Orlando. So when I got back to Orlando, I knew, you know, the players and stuff like that, but I just couldn't get into the league. I just didn't find it interesting or competitive enough. And you can get me you can get me for that, Jordan. But um, again, I, I didn't get to see Landon play uh, in MLS. I didn't get to see some of the guys that you did. I grew up playing FIFA and the only team that I really understood was the Sounders. Cause we obviously we had um, Clint Dempsey playing for them. We had Deandre Yedlin when he was a young kid. Um, so, you know, playing with them was cool and, and kind of seeing that, but it, it really has been a lot of fun just getting to know this league and how, how fun it's been. And, and on, you know, it's on a meteoric rise. I think across the globe, you got a bunch of people from the UK, you got people from Europe, people from South America, really starting to follow these clubs because a lot of their players are coming here. So, I'm glad that you've let me come on and, and kind of crash the party, Jordan, a little bit late, but it's been a it's been a blast. And I know we've got quite a bit of uh, following over the last year or so, and 100 episodes in, and I feel pretty good about where we're going.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, we'll we'll continue to do this for as long as we can. Um, so here's to 100 more, uh, which we'll probably hit within the next really year and so. I mean, with how many, with, you know, doing 34 weeks of these during the season, pretty much, and then doing, uh, y- you know, close to 30 previous, we're not going to, just to let people know, too, we're probably not getting to every team before the season starts since it starts so early this year um we're going to try to do either some of these w- without a guest or whatever to get as many done as we can and try to get a guest during the early part of the season for that team but we're trying it, you know the the Qatar World Cup has really thrown off um everything uh so that will uh we're going to try to get all these previews done but you know that's something that boosts the episode number as well so uh, you know, we could probably reach episode 200 within the next uh, – because we're also going to be doing World Cup coverage on here. So, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we probably year. will hit 200 by the beginning of next season, I would think.
2: That's going to be wild. I like, guess the thought of that, and you know, because we have all the qualifying, we'll have, you know, kind of this competition they're playing in in the summer with the U.S. men's national team. Usually we mm-hmm. like to catch – you know, there's a couple weeks here and there that we like to do two episodes with stateside. So it'll be, that'd be – that'll be wild, could you imagine?
1: it would be pretty crazy. Uh, but today we will have a guest on. We're talking LAFC. Who do we have joining us today, Logan? Yeah,
2: so Gio Garcia is going to come over and join us. He covers LAFC and LA Galaxy over on LA Soccer Hub. Um, and you can find his podcast. I was to it a little bit earlier. Um, but yeah, covering all things, that's crazy to me because usually when we have LA fans on, um, L Traffic is not what they cover. It's more about you know, one team or the other. So I think it'd be interesting to kind of get his perspective on the teams. And, you know, I'm kind of interested to see if he supports one of them. I really am just to see if he's got an alliance with one of them, or if he really can just watch it as a neutral. So I that'd be hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You'd think, uh, you think that'd be, that'd be hard, but yeah, we're going to talk some LAFC today. So, uh, looking forward to that. So let's go ahead and take a break. Um, And uh, we will welcome in our guest. If you are a fan of Star Wars, and you are also a fan of me and Logan, you can listen to us on The Pod Awakens recapping The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, We have recapped every single episode of The Book of Boba Fett. And with the finale premiering on Wednesday, the day you're probably listening to this episode, uh, we will be recapping that uh before the weekend and that episode will be up before the weekend and you'll be able to listen to all of our thoughts on episode seven of the book of boba fett are you enjoying it so far Logan?
2: yeah i mean it it seems like everything that uh, that is touched by uh lucasfilm or uh, anything that's dealing with um lucasfilm star wars uh especially the tv shows uh favreau baloney It's all gold, right? And I'm really enjoying the show. I'm enjoying season three of Mandal- I mean, season (laughs) one of The Book of Boba Fett and the beginning of season three of The Mandalorian. Looking forward to all the things coming because it seems like we're headed down a really good path with these. And tomorrow's finale, um, I've seen some, like at least some reviews, not any kind of spoilers, but some some really good things said about what's coming up uh, down the line. So I'm really excited about the episode tomorrow.
1: So check it out. You can follow that on Twitter at Podawakens, Facebook.com slash PodAwakens, Instagram PodAwakens, Linktree slash PodAwakens, and you can find us somehow by searching on Spotify or Apple. Or again, just go to the Linktree and find it there, but those will be in the show notes for this show as well. So thank you for that, and we'll welcome our guest in. And we are back from our break, and we have Gio Garcia, who covers uh, both the LA Galaxy and LAFC uh hello geo how are you today
0: hey man i'm doing good fellas thank you thank you for having me on i'm excited to talk uh, lafc today with you guys yeah yeah so we were talking a little bit uh, about sorry jordan I mean you cut you off. we were talking a little bit about
2: pre-show um your, your coverage of lafc and, and uh, the galaxy so it, we usually ask you know where can people find your stuff and this is a unique situation just because i think covering both teams you get a unique perspective um and like we were talking before Uh, I'm sure that the fans are getting a little upset with you on each side, depending on what you write. But can you kind of just let us know where people can find your stuff and and maybe the LA Galaxy fans can get mad at the LAFC stuff that you write (laughs) and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, no, they can definitely check out LA Soccer Hub. Um, You know, it's on Instagram, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, So it's obviously we, we talk about both LAFC and LA Galaxy. Um, yeah, and it's cool. I love I love that the MLS is growing. I love that the MLS is growing. I love like you know we're talking about pre chat. We have two teams is special. You know I feel lucky to be able to watch you know uh, Chicharito, Carlos Vela, Chicho Rango, you know Brian Rodriguez, and now Douglas Costa, who, who's coming uh, to to the other galaxy. So it, it's an it's an amazing time. And look. With the fans is part of it, man. Uh, I love it. You know, like they 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 say what they say, but that that's what sports is. So that that to me, it, it doesn't bother me. Fans can say whatever they like. You know, it, it is what it is. But I enjoy it as well, and I think that's part of being a fan. That's part of being, you know, covering the two teams. And those are things that you know I expected coming in. So I like it, and, and I'm excited to talk with you guys.
1: Yeah, so let's take a look at uh, like we said we're going to be talking LAFC uh on this preview. And reflecting on 2021, a season when uh both LA teams missed the playoffs, but uh one could say maybe expected for LA Galaxy or more acceptable with how bad that they've, you know, been recently. Uh but for LAFC who really had I think you know, a lot of expectations heaped upon them because of their success since joining the league, you know, uh, missing the playoffs. um, I guess just reflecting on 2021 and and what you think went wrong with LAFC that now led to, you know, Bradley's contract running out. He leaves and kind of this overhaul that uh, LAFC find themselves in for the first time in in their professional um, professional seasons.
0: Yeah, I, I think, look, 2021, uh, just in short, was a disappointing year for LAFC. You, you mentioned there's so many expectations for LAFC, you know, coming into coming into last year, you know, you're talking about, you know, hey, the, everybody had them. I think all the MLS guys had them uh, as winning the MLS Cup. But to me, uh, going into last year, I remember, I always felt that Sounders, and I still to this day, I feel like Sounders are the best team in the Western Conference um, because they've just shown it time and time and time, time again. And I've seen last year and the previous years, LAFC stru- struggle against the Seattle Sounders. And I never felt that going into the twenty one season, twenty twenty one season, that they were able to. Um, they didn't add the pieces that that you see them add in twenty twenty two, revamp the roster. And you started the year, Brian Rodriguez uh, went on loan to Almeria, right? So they're without a DP to start the year then injuries happened Carlos Velo was injured and then Diego Rossi had an injury so that that also took part in them having a a poor year but then also you know Bob Bradley also didn't do the job everybody expected him to do whether it was on the players the front office there were so many different things that went wrong with LAFC and you saw it and I just I just feel like it was so unfortunate because they had the talent but they didn't have Carlos Vela, a fully healthy Carlos Vela. They didn't have a, a healthy Diego Rossi. They didn't have their three DPs last season. You know, Brian Rodriguez ended up coming back from loan because Almeria did not end up buying him. And then halfway through, or towards the end of the season, Diego Rossi leaves to Fenerbahce. Uh, you know, to he, he goes on the loan again. So they were in this situation where they they would have a DP back, and then the next D, DP would go. And then the 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 roster. There was a lot of changes with the roster, with injuries and players wanting in or out. You know, so there's so many different things, and it was it was unfortunate to happen because I didn't expect them to do so bad like the way they did last year. But that's what happens when one you. Yeah, I don't think you, you you reinforce the roster. I feel like they should have brought more uh, MLS type of experience uh, uh, players. They never had really a never one goalkeeper. Now that you do, everything that you're seeing that they've done in the 2022 offseason. I feel like they could have done that uh, in the 2021 season. But, look, they're, they've they learned from – the. I, I, to me now it's, it seems that they learned from the mistakes from all the players that they brought in this offseason. The other bigger sign is that they've brought in into the front office. That, to me, tells me that they've learned. But, yeah, if you look at 2021, it, it, was, it was a bad year. And with a bad year, I just didn't feel that Bob Bradley was going to come back and coach, whether he wanted to come back or – uh, they wanted him to come back and coach. I just felt that relationship with Bob Bradley and the fan base, uh, you know, had 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 gone. You the fans were down, split down the middle, like really, like you, the Bob in or Bob out crowd, you know. And 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 that's that's what that's what happened in sports. That's what happens when you have these expectations. And I look when you live in LA when you live in LA, you play in LA, you have to have these high expectations. And when you don't meet those expectations, changes have to be met. You know, whether it was the head coach's job's fault, you can you blame the injuries on Bob Bradley I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? But but at the end of the day, uh, the book had to stop somewhere. And I felt like Bob Riley, um, like i said whether it was his fault or not he was going to have to take the blame for it now you see he's in a better situation lafc are, are also in a better situation so i think both parties moved moved on amicably and now it's it's uh, moving on to the 2022 season i think it's always
2: interesting whenever i'm looking at sports and and i don't why I, you know i don't watch teams that are or you know support teams that are in big markets so i don't know what that's like but i can always see where the la pressure or the new york pressure Um, sometimes like Philly with the Eagles or the Sixers, they've always had uh, a huge pushback on fans, but then you've got clubs like this where, I mean, honestly, the closest things I think we have is I think even if you were in the Cascadia or in LA, like you're going to get a lot of pushback from a lot of fans just because they expect, you know, good soccer going forward. And ever since LAFC has been around, they've just seemed to always have success. Um, and it kind of leads into, like you were talking about alluding to it. Um, Can you kind of just, uh, Bob Bradley uh, posted a 58, 34, and 32 record with the club. Um, He won the team their first piece of silverware, 2019 Supporter Shield. They also go on to uh, a final in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League um, and, you know, almost had the chance to win that uh, as the first MLS team to do so. Uh, And playoff appearances three straight, three of his four seasons at the helm. Um, Like, is there a certain legacy that he's leaving behind? Like, are people so sour on the relationship that they're kind of just letting this pass as just another manager? Or, you know, is he going to leave a lasting legacy for this club?
0: Yeah, I think I think his legacy. Look, he he was sure winning the MLS Cup, and if he would have won the Concacaf Champions League, which they were twenty minutes away from winning that, then you know you know it would have been sealed. But unfortunately, it that didn't happen. But I what what I look and what what I saw Bob Bradley do did for LAFC and has done, he built a foundation for them. You know, he's built he's built the foundation for come coming coming from you know, coming from uh, you know, we look, for example, we see FC Cincinnati struggle, we see all these other clubs pop up and they don't have the right-of-way success, right? Brad Bradley came in and had a success in 2018, had success in 2019. Obviously, they fell short to the Seattle Sounders in 2019. Uh, obviously, you know, 2020 wasn't was wasn't a great year for anybody, and then 2021. But I think what Bob Bradley left it, it was was a solid uh, foundation for LAFC, and and it was a great first four years for LAFC. Unfortunately, um, wh- whether it was tactics or whatever, you know, that didn't let them win those championships. He did build a winning mentality with this club. The only thing that that he, did, he didn't get outside of the Supporters Shield. Uh, is is an MLS Cup, right? And if you're a fan of the MLS, if you're a supporter of the MLS, no matter what what team you root for, MLS Cup is the cup to get, right? So outside of everything, if if you don't if you don't go, which I think every coach Standard, but outside of that, right? He, we know he didn't win that, but I said outside of that, what he's done for LAFC, what he did to build this foundation, connect with fans, and be passionate with the players, and all these different things, and in, and in the, in the in the four years that he was here, I think, I think, I would say it was successful on that aspect on that aspect and building that foundation that was successful now winning ml mls cup he didn't get to win an mls cup so obviously when you look at the trophies and stuff like that the supporter shield you give him the supporter shield but not winning the mls cup when you had a a, a team with carlos vela diego ross yadora tuesta i think that definitely leaves a little bit you know you you know you kind of scratch your head because you had the talent but for, for whatever whatever the case, they weren't able to get it done. But when I look at what the job that Bob Bailey did, I, I think he, he did a pretty solid job on the aspect of building the foundation for LAFC.
1: So uh, Bob leaves and they bring in Steve Terundolo, uh, which not sure if it was their first choice. It sounds like it wasn't originally. Um, but it's going to be his first year as a manager of a top, you know, like a, a top side, uh, top tier um team he was uh for the las vegas lights uh for a bit last year in the usl he's also done some uh you know he was a us men's national team player he's also done some youth things for like hanover 96 over in germany but uh from what i remember he was very hyped up as like a really good manager from when he was over in hanover and stuff and working with the youth but um you know people point at the las vegas records and say that he didn't do too hot there but do you think this was uh a good move for lafc and do you think um he'll have time to actually kind of make his imprint on the team or are lafc fans you know maybe uh you know four years into this like you said without an mls cup or are they going to start maybe uh like how bad does it have to be for him to get you know fired uh (laughs) through LA?
0: Well, I think I think first of anything, you, you got to give them a shot, right? Um, I just think a lot of LAFC fans are very passionate, right? Everybody's familiar with the thirty-two fifty-two, right? When you have such a such a, a, a emotional, supportive fan base there also comes with 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 criticism right there was at the end of the year there was there's a couple of people with the bob out sign at the 3252 and this is a this is a nerve fan base but i, I think there certain things like that I, it should be expected when you when you when you have such a passionate fan base with that on the steve shrondelow uh, part i think it was it was a little head scratching because it wasn't a, a move right away you know because it took about i think about a month and a half we were talking it that we were talking about it you know there was other names being around because typically when you t- you hire internally from what we've seen, you know there's he's typically like the front runner. The decision's made a lot sooner. And I think the reason why I was head scratching because it took so long and then it kind of fell or it feels like, hey, he was either the last option or you know, whether the front office seems it, it did not appear that way, right? But now that he's the guy, I, I I've been telling this to give him a shot. Let's see what he can do. i I know his his record did not look good. I know he I think he was an assistant down in germany he learned a lot everything in germany i do what i've seen so far i, I really look at body language right so I, I see carlos vela is happier in the photos uh, I saw the first forty-five minutes in the preseason game. I think against the Rebs, it looks like they it was a four-three-three formation. So we couldn't really see anything out of forty-five minutes because that's when the the first time the, the the first team played. But there was no Kellen Acosta, Elias Sanchez, Max Kerpo wasn't playing, so you really didn't get a feel for the team. But to me, I just I, I'm more I want to see how he does. But let's get something straight. If he doesn't succeed right away, I can tell you the LAFC fans are, are going to be pretty passionate and they're going to voice their opinions uh, because this was, uh, you know, in the beginning, people will remember it, this could be a head scratching. I feel like this could be because this could be a high risk, high reward situation. But from everything that I'm seeing in the body language of the players, they look comfortable. He he's a player's coach, you know. It's it's a different it's a different voice that they're hearing opposed to Bob Bradley, my way or the highway type of way, right? He seems he seems more uh, like like I said, like a player's coach, more relaxed. He has a way. He has his own way of th- doing things, and I feel like a lot of those players really needed that, and and, and they needed that fresh breath of air and needed all that. Now it we, now it's just time to see. They've done. They've gotten all the right pieces. Of, most of the, all the right pieces lafc now now we just got to see how how it turns out and in, in the regular season yeah i was
2: listening to a couple of his press conferences and, and like you said it, it is very much like bob Bradley was the commander and the rest of them just listened to what he said whereas there there's been a big uptick in i think the attitude around the club that even with some of the because they knew they they've got they've got a nice mix of really young kids coming through and they want them to perform well and i it the days of Bob Bradley and Bruce Arena, I think, are, are coming to an end. Like, I, I do think, while they are good coaches, I do think that their time is limited in this league. Just because I do think there's a lot of that. There's a lot. If you can't be a players' coach, there might not be a chance for you to coach in MLS or in the leagues at all. Because I, I think that we are starting to see, if you're not a players' coach, you you don't recruit, you don't get the players you want, you don't get the top success that you want. Um, and if you look at it, I mean, it, it does seem like that's flying through the ranks is, is getting some of these younger players or coaches that were once players that are younger coaches and getting them through the system. I think, I think about U S men's national team all the time. Cause we cover that. And it's like Greg Berhalter, why, while he people will continue to beat the beat the desk about how much they don't like his style. At least one thing he, he does recruit well, because he is connected to the players. I think, and I think that's huge for Steve because I think him coming to LAFC, he's got to connect the guys like Carlos Vela. Right. So I think that, you know, connecting to these young guys and um, I mean, it is, would you say that his style of coaching is going to kind of take some form of what Bob did? Like, is he going to use a lot of the remnants from the club or is he going to kind of change up and play his own style with LAFC?
0: Well, honestly, that was, that was that's what I was interested in seeing. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, the the game is against the Reds. Like I said, it's a preseason game, but it right. appeared it was a four three three formation, right? And it's only one preseason game, and that's probably the only preseason game that, we're, that any of us are going to be able to see from the media. I know they have something in Coachella, Palm Springs area, but I don't think mm-hmm. uh, many people are going to go. So we won't. We're not going to really see the actual first. Um, I ideally lineup. Until the Colorado Rapids game on opening day, but I'm what I'm very interested in seeing on Steve Cherundolo is how does you know the formation how, right does he switch it up. Or, you know, and how, what does he do in the 60th minute, 70th minute when they say they're down 1 0 or whatever? That's more, I'm more looking at because sometimes I would say Bob Bradley um, did lack sometimes in subbing and tactically making those adjustments. I think that's where, and all the great things Bob Bradley did, sometimes the substitutions in critical areas um that's where uh sometimes his achilles heel was because he had certain tactics right but i think it was the the some of the 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 subs but that's why like i said that's what i want to see more on steve shirono what does he do does he switch up the formation if they're if they're up a man or down a man you know i want to see how he is tactically. obviously i know where he came from 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 uh from germany he has a history but like i don't think his record with the lights will matter Unless Steve Cherundolo does not perform, if Steve Cherundolo and the LAFC did not perform and they have a similar season to last year, then his his record will be brought up. But if he has early success, similar success, and you 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 have a pathway to go deep in the playoffs, I don't I don't think people will bring that up.
2: So a huge addition that they made last year, just kind of transitioning, uh, Chicho Arango, um, arguably could be an MVP candidate uh, with with the numbers that he put up last season. They were incredible. 14 goals, two assists and 17 matches played, came over in August and he had that big of an impact. I mean, they started to make a, you know, a little bit of a run uh, and tried to force themselves up into a playoff spot, but couldn't quite get there with some of the the draws and some of the losses from earlier in the season uh, with how much they struggled. But can you kind of speak to his importance and then can he have an MVP caliber year in, in 2022 next to Carlos Vela, who was once previously an MVP himself?
0: I definitely, I definitely do see uh, Chicho there. It, it not just having an MVP year, but it, it kind of seems like the tide is turning that he may be the leader in the locker room. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're posting about him more uh, on 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 LAFC's, uh social media uh, page, Instagram page. He he's talking. He talks. He's talking about winning a championship, right? That's what you want to see from your leader. But if it wasn't for Chicho last season, LAFC would would have had a worse season, you know, because he was able to, you know, score goals, put the essentially put the team on his back consistently, game in and game out every time he put on the jersey for LAFC. So and then the guys, uh, he's he he. Everybody wants to play with them. Everybody wants to hang around Chicho. He just has, you know, he has a Colombian swagger. He's cool, he's calm, collected, but he also goes out and performs, you know what I'm saying? And that's what you want from a player like that. And and so far, like him and Carlos Vela, even though uh, Chicho was getting more of the attention last year, it doesn't seem like it's an issue. Chicho's more... He's more vocal. He'll talk to the media. One thing I learned about Chicho, he would talk to the media after they they lost or won every single game. And you don't really see that from Carlos Villa. You don't really see that, unfortunately, with the MLS Stars for whatever reason. You know, I come from covering NBA and stuff like that. And the top level players are always talking after every game. You know, you hear Tom Brady and the NFL talk whether they win or lose. But, you know, in the MLS, that's not the case. But the thing with Chicho, he was willing to talk after every game. And I think that that speaks volumes because the last season, you know, there they, they Vela wasn't there. People didn't know if he was going to come back. So there was a lot of uh, questions. But don't don't get it wrong. Chicho, I think this will be his team for the future, depending what, what happens with Carlos Vela. But, yes, I do feel like he can have an MP, MVP year. Now that they got Kelna Costa, we saw what he can do, you know, with, with the set pieces, right? He's going to be – feeding the ball to Chicho, he's going to, you know, feed into Chicho, Carlos Vela or anything like that. And I don't really get a sense from Chicho that he has to be the guy because he still understands that this is Carlos Vela's team. Um, but I also see that Carlos Vela doesn't, uh, it doesn't bother him that that Chicho gets some of, some of the praise because he's putting in the work, you know? So uh, I'm very excited to see what type of year Chicho is able to have because look, because of the of uh, the, the the short amount of time he had with LAFC, he got called up to the Columbia national team, right? But unfortunately, he wasn't able to play because he got COVID. So he's doing a lot of the great things that people around the league, around the world, are noticing what Chicho is doing. So I definitely do feel like this is this could be a Chicho's coming out party this 2022 season.
1: You've mentioned Vela there in there, uh, you know, MVP in 2019. Since then, playing 27 of the 54 matches in MLS the past two years. Do you think? it's possible for us to even see 2019 Carlos Vela again, or is, are those years gone and how much longer do you see him with, uh, I guess, LAFC and what he can bring to the team this year?
0: Uh, Vella, the Vela thing is, is is very interesting because last year it just didn't seem like he was um whatever appeared he wasn't motivated right to play for LAFC, He wasn't at the El Tráfico games, you know. The, you know there was reports that there was there was a uh, you know what that what he, he didn't get along with the front office or coaching or whatever the issues was. Right, it didn't help when you're losing. Right, you know what cures everything? Winning. Right. If they're winning, Vela is going to stay. If, if they're winning, Vela is going to score goals. If they're winning, Vela is going to, you know, be at all the games and support his team and stuff like that. But if they don't win, it's unfortunately. Um, one thing I noticed about Vela when it was tough last year, he didn't really step up like you expected a leader to step up, which was kind of weird because he is the he was the leader. But I don't know if that was he was debating whether he wanted to come back or something else was bothering him that, that we don't know. But if Vela is able to stay healthy, uh, that's a big if, right? He, we know what he can do when he performs. But I think it comes... Uh, to me, it's going to be come down to this year. Like, we can't keep talking about Vela. Oh, if Vela is is healthy he's the best player in the league right no you got to be the best player of the league and you also got to be healthy yeah, that's just the way it works i'm mm-hmm. i'm sorry i just i don't know you know that that's how typically it is right michael jordan was always healthy for whatever reason i'm right. I mean, assuming he had injuries and stuff like that but i think if carlos vela is able to stay healthy 2019 well, i forgot how many goals over 30 something goals i know he broke the record you're talking about mvp caliber season I, I just i'm very interested how it all works because you know, if, if Chicho's is going to be scoring the goals, Vela is going to be scoring the goals. Someone has to be doing the system, or if Vela doesn't mind doing the system, the, the Chicho, right? So he doesn't got, like he doesn't have to carry the workload like how he did in 2019, um, because he has Chicho, he has Killian Acosta also to, to help him out, and Brian Rodriguez had a had a, a solid a solid year last year when he came back from America. So I think he is very capable of doing that again. But I don't know how hungry he really is, right? The, in the season, look, whenever whenever you compete, you're gonna compete. But I don't know how hungry he is to want to break that individual record. I think what his focus maybe is to actually win won a trophy, and I think he would sacrifice winning an MVP or the Golden Boot race to actually win win a championship this year.
1: I think what's interesting too is with Vela, you know, he's spoken about how he doesn't like watch soccer. You know, like he's more of a NBA fan, so I do think it. You know, motivation of, you know, this isn't seemingly a sport he really loves. It's just a sport he was good at. I think is what he said before. So, it is interesting to to think about it that way too.
0: I always
2: thought it was weird too. Like, and I know he had gotten a lot of shouts for El Tree, and there was that you know mentions of him possibly getting into the side there. But again, like you like you said, I think it was just it wasn't the right time for him. And then the injuries happened and it just wasn't a a fair shake for Carlos. But I think that that has to be demoralizing for him. Like it had to be absolutely, I mean, he goes from 2019 where it was like groundbreaking to 2020 he's hurt and the pandemic happened. Like you said, nobody had a good year in 2020. Then he comes back 2021 and and right out of the gate, he does, he gets pulled when Bob thought that he kind of came up lame and he kind of did. And then you don't see him for a while. And then he's had some injury issues continuing on. It just, it, it didn't feel fair for him, and he might not have loved the game of soccer anymore. Like, it, he might yeah. really not because of all well, the things that
0: happened. Honestly, that was – that was with a lot of – like, exactly what you guys talked about, the basketball, you know, being mm-hmm. his favorite sport. A lot of people – a lot of fans were very vocal and very upset when he wasn't showing up to a El Trafico when, you know, yeah. you could at least be there. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't – you're not you're – not, and I think that's where – you know that's where i was i was kind of like okay that's why everybody was you know looking nice Chicho. this is going to be potentially Chicho's team or whatever but it's like that's why i'm just curious how motivated he is and you're right probably the injuries and stuff that's not not fair to Vela, right of what happened but that's unfortunately that's what happens but i think one thing vella can definitely control is how hungry he is how how motivated is he is he going to want to play because if not then you know this team is only going to go so far, and but I think him coming back and him signing, whether it's for six months or a year, I don't think we know the exact details uh, with LAC for this season shows that he wants to give it another go and really try to win a championship. And if for whatever reason that doesn't happen, I think he, I think he's going to move on, and you know wherever he, if he decides to continue playing or not. I think I think he's he's going to be he's going to be all right, but but I think he definitely wants to give it a go and try to see uh, what this LAFC team could do this year.
2: Yeah, and with him uh, go the rest of the guys that seem to have been uh, somewhat of a staple for this team. I mean, uh, there, there's guys constantly leaving. This roster seems to be in a completely flipped over version of what it was in 2019. Like it's starting to to really, like you said, it's starting to become somebody else's team. Uh, and and I think they've they've done a really nice job this offseason. But we'll get to that. Um, I do want to talk about some of the departures just real quickly. Um, Raheem Edwards, uh, Edward Atuesta, Tristan Blackman, and Diego Rossi, who was pretty much gone last year towards the latter half of the season. But can you kind of just speak to how they're going to replace – I mean, all of those guys did rack up, you know, a 1,000-plus minutes. While they might not have had great seasons, uh, and I, I think Edward uh, Atuesta is, is, is a good player. Like, I think that's somebody – obviously, they'll miss a ton. But can you kind of just speak to their absences and what they'll be missing from them?
0: Yeah, I think uh, we'll start with uh, Tuwisa. Uh, obviously, look, uh, this team. I think uh, Eduardo Tuwisa for so long was was the more important piece out of Car- Carlos Vela. We know Carlos Vela scores; mm-hmm. he gets the limelight. But what Eduardo Tuwisa did in the midfield—they call him El Profe, right? The professor in the in the midfield, and you would just see him and saw saw what he did and how he was able to place the ball, give the ball perfectly to whether it was Carlos Vela. Or you know it was, it was Diego Rossi at the time when he when he was carrying the team in twenty twenty, um, but I also think Eduardo Trezza was ready to move on just like uh, Diego Rossi because before the start of the season of the twenty twenty one season, Palmeiras was really interested in bringing on Eduardo Trezza mm-hmm. and LAFC, and I don't know if what, what exactly happened, but I I got wind that LAFC did it or they couldn't come to agreement to to the numbers or whatever the case was, so he was already I think he was already to move on because, you know, he, he did become, uh, what was it, 2019 or 2020 or 2019? He did become, was the best midfielder in, in the league. Right. So I think that was one of his biggest goals to become the best midfielder in MLS. And I think he accomplished that. Obviously what they didn't accomplish was the trophy, right? Obviously 2020 happened in 2021. I think 2021 being four years with the club, you, you want to take the next step if you want to end up going to Europe. Right. So it's unfortunate that it happened. He didn't get it at the end of the season and he didn't get the farewell. But I know he was very excited to go to Palmarius and play with Palmarius. Uh, and and take his game to the next level because look it's, a, it's it is a world cup here he does has a- aspirations to to go to uh to europe so he unfortunately they, they ha- lac has struggled a little bit from going from you know players coming from south america to la to europe you know and i think he eduardo tuesa uh, was ready to move on and close this chapter with lafc i felt like he had a successful chapter with the lafc and i think he was ready to make that step and i think at the end of the season him and LAFC had the conversation because he did resign until this this upcoming year. But I think he was he saw the opportunity that Paul Marius was interested in him and he said, hey, I got to go. And it was this time to go. It's not it's not I don't think there was it was nothing that like people were upset or anything like that. He did. He did his job. Now you got, you know, Ilya Sanchez and Kelly Acosta. And I think those two guys are going to be able to help what uh, uh, what Eduardo Twesta did, right? We see what Calon Acosta does with the U.S. Men's National Team. We saw what he did with the Rapids. We assume he can do that, too. You know, Elias Sanchez, he has a solid background. So you're getting MLS caliber players that understand the positions in the midfield. And I think they're going to be able to help out there. Diego Rossi. Uh, Diego Rossi was just ready to go he was ready to go to Europe you know he wanted to go to Europe really bad he I think I think after the 2020 season you know he built the confidence he got the golden boot um, you know unfortunately it was the pandemic at the 20 at the end of 2020 years so there wasn't that many suitors but now he he's at Fenerbahce and it, it's getting a little tricky with with, with Diego Rossi because they the Fenerbahce hasn't Hasn't uh, you know triggered the clause to buy him? So I think mm-hmm. there's still there's still questions there. There's a potential people. He, there's a potential that he could come back. But to me, I think Diego Rossi is the same Adora Twister. He, he conquered MLS. He did, he did what he was supposed to do outside of winning, winning an MLS uh, cup. But I, I don't I don't see uh, uh, Diego Rossi coming back because um, you got you got you got you got Ismail Shardy uh, from NYCNC. You got you know Mahala. Uh, you have Brian Rodriguez you know those are just three wingers and I don't know where Diego Rossi would fit in that or you would have to either bench chicho or, or or Brian Rodriguez if he, he did come back it gets a little tricky but I think Diego Rossi has closed, closed that chapter laFC's moved on so we have to see because he's on loan and they have him bottom so I think that that's what gets tricky there um Tristan Blackman I think he got picked up by uh was it NY or Charlotte and then sent off to the white caps right mm-hmm. um Uh, on the, on the super draft. So uh, that's unfortunate. I felt Tristan Blackburn, Uh, he, he did have a solid 2020 CONCACAF champions league. um, But unfortunately for them, that was it. I thought he was going to be the starting right back, but they went elsewhere. And for Raheem Edwards, he's staying in LA. He's playing for the LA galaxy. Um, So I I don't think too many fans are going to be upset that, that Raheem Edwards is leaving because he was more in, in, you know, he was more used as a utility player. He would play some forward. He played some midfield. Um, now he looks like he has uh, a great opportunity, but outside those two, I think Tristan Blackman, Raheem Edwards. I don't think people will be too upset. I just think for Diego Rossi and Adora Tessa, it was a, it was a time to move on.
1: Okay, uh, so defensively, you know, LAFC could have uh, could have done better. Um, it seems like like you mentioned earlier, they never really had that world class goalkeeper uh, previously. Um, do you think now with, uh, getting that keeper that they are set defensively or are there anything else that they really need to plug in here, uh, before 2022 starts for any sort of defensive cohesiveness?
0: I think, look, I think having Max Cripo, uh, apologize if I butcher his name, but He's been, he, you know, you got you get a solid goalkeeper. And LAC has had so much turnover in the goalkeeper position. Now to find, get a true number one and know he's going to be the guy day in and day out. And he's proven it in here. That solves, I think that was the biggest signing for me, to saw scene for LAFC, because they struggled at that position. But seeing the first preseason game, um, Jesus Murillo had a, he had, a, he got a red card in the preseason game. He touched the ball with his hand. Uh, it was. I think it was done. It was obviously done on purpose because he got a red card. But I think the trust behind Jesus Murillo is a little. It's a little shaky. I would say because you know he he did he he did cost the team a, a couple goals last season, and you're seeing it now in the preseason game, which you you don't want to see that from a veteran center back player. So I think you know by no means do I think you need to take him off the team, but I don't. I just don't really see him as a starter because. He, he has so many inc- inconsistency, and you have Mamadou Fall. You have Eddie Segura, who Steve Stronger talked about. You know, he's ahead of schedule, but, like, he's not ready just yet. So game time. So I think they do need another. Um, they do got Ibiaga. Uh, I believe he came from NYCFC. Um, but I, I I do think they do need another center back uh, because of because of the depth, because of Eddie not being ready. You do have Mamadou Fall, but I think he's still a little green. Um, but I think they need to add another center back piece. Are they, do they sit on another uh, DP spot or they've used all theirs? No. So they still technically, they still have a DP spot because Diego Rossi is on loan with Fero right. but it's, it's tricky. I don't think they're going to get another DP until the Diego Rossi situation is, right. uh, is, is taken care of or whatever he, because there's rumors of him going mm-hmm. to, uh, to a Brazilian club, I think Flamingo. So it, it gets tricky because you're not going to want to bring in, uh, they're, they're in the, they're kind of handicapped because you, I don't think they're going to want to bring in a DP when your other DP ha- hasn't been sold yet, you know. And and it, it gets Don't trigger. want a Miami situation. <laughs> exactly. You're going to have like four or five DPs, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I think for them it, it's tricky because look, the season's about to start in like what, 2 weeks, The last 2-3 weeks or whatever. Crazy, yeah. Um so it's, it's getting it's getting it's coming here pretty quick, you know, and um, and uh, look, two weeks is still enough time for, for whoever the third potential DP could come in. But if, if they don't resolve this Diego Rossi situation uh, right away, then you're going to have a DP come during the season and during the summertime. Um, and typically you want to have all you I don't know, you want to have all your t- d- Ideally, you'd right. like to have all your DPs together at the start of the season, build a camaraderie, build a continuity. And I think when someone comes in halfway through the season, um, I don't know. It gets tricky. I don't know how, how far you could potentially go. And look, I don't I, and we could be talking. Look, we've seen teams uh, that don't really have any DPs, only have one DP or two DPs in MLS. But I, I think they have one roster spot that they could be using on uh, their not is because of, of the loan. And I, I just think it's tricky when you start loaning out DP players because it, it's not its uh, – we've, we've seen with the LFC, it, it's not a for-sure thing even with Brian Rodriguez, you know, the, the last season. And now Diego Rossi, that he hasn't been – I, I thought he would have been bought by now, but Fenerbahce is going through their own issues. I think they, they let go of their head coach. And, you know, there's so many different things. So – they're in this weird situation. So I, they said they were going to get a little DP, but until Diego Rossi is, is sold or he's moved on, I, I don't see that happening.
2: So besides Toronto FC having a, you know, a stellar offseason, I thought LAFC, if you look at it on paper, they had probably one of the best offseasons just because I think the experience that they're adding, uh, the MLS experience is key. Um, and like you've talked about, you've talked about Kalanikovsky, you talked about Maxine Cropot, Um, But we haven't talked about Franco Escobar. You kind of alluded to um, Jury Shradi from uh, trading from Charlotte after all the chaos with the expansion draft. Um, These are great signings, right? I I mean, I feel like fans should be absolutely thrilled, especially with the way that Kellen Acosta has come on. I mean, he's literally bursted on the scene in the last couple of weeks here um, and played extremely well for the U.S. men's national team and could have a huge part playing um, going forward. So can you kind of just speak to – what I think uh is personally probably like an A or A plus uh, as far as the off is concerned.
0: No, look, let, 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 let's get something right. LAFC got a has had a successful off season, even though it, was, it started a little slow uh with the head coaching decision. But look, every and, and I you know I forgot to mention Franco Escobar, he, he I saw forty-five minutes from him and I saw how versatile he can be on the on the right wing, up and down, give crosses in. So I mm-hmm. think they're they're definitely gonna nail the, the right back position. Um, yeah, I, I feel like they've had a, a successful offseason, not, not just like I said, the every player that you just mentioned, they have more depth, they have more experience, they're more mature team that they were last year, it's not all these USA players coming in, and you know, mm-hmm. being, being the depth pieces that were for them last year, last season. Now, fans are excited of every single move that they've made, because that's Those are the moves that needed to be done, and those are the moves that had to be done, you know? And now you look at this LAFC team, and you you recognize the team, the names around the league, right? You recognize that these guys have been putting, have put in the work around the league, right? They got a, they got a, a former MLS Cup champion, you know? And mm-hmm. then Mel Shardy from last season, right? And then you, you mentioned Franco Escobar. He played at Atlanta United, and I think he was coming from Argentina. Elias Sanchez, Kellen Acosta, who, who's had a successful he looks like he's probably gonna go to the World Cup. And his set pieces are amazing. So yeah, I I would I would I would say it's successful, but not just that, they also added um an off season or a front office piece and uh Marco Antonio Garces, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's the one, he he was a Pachuca. He helped get Chucky Lozano to Europe. He had Hector Herrera. So a lot of national, uh, uh, Mexican national team players that I have made the jump from the Mexican league over to Europe. Uh, that's been another additional piece. And I think that's that's another piece that's been able, that will help LAFC, these, the Brian Rodriguez, the Chiqui Palacios, the Jose Cifrentes that want to make that that leap to Europe. And Marco Antonio has these connections, has a proven track record that he's done it. And I think that's going to, that, I would say that would be the second biggest offseason uh, a move, obviously in the front office, because it, it shows like, hey, the front office needed help and, and they brought in the help right there. And I, and I think that, look, his 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 um his work is not going to be shown right away. Look, because, you know, to, to develop a player to go to Europe takes some time. But, look, if, if Brian Rodriguez was ready right now, whoever was ready right now, he has the connections to get it done. And I think that's going to build a, a, a better foundation for, for LAFC for, for getting players, whether they get them from South America or whatever, to make that leap to Europe.
2: Jordan, I'm going to jump in real quick just to uh, – can you kind of like you spoke about it and it's kind of off topic a little bit, but like there is a partnership coming. There is the, the chance that Liga and MLS have these partnerships going forward. Um, they talked about uh, tournaments. They've talked about um, some of these cups that they're going to start playing in with each other. Um, and I know that you've kind of followed the league. Like, are you shocked that, that LA, I mean, it seems like LAFC, LA Galaxy, like the teams on the West coast would really look at Liga and go, you know what, I I think that there's interesting pieces at Leon or Cruz Azul and, you know, plucking some of their, you know, not some of their players, but maybe some of the front office talent or coaches. Are we starting to see or are you starting to kind of hear rumblings of maybe that that is the case, that they are starting to look and kind of delve into that pot of, like, there's some Mexican young coaches that we really want to look at as to kind of bring up here in the MLS because it does seem like that partnership is is strengthening with the MLS on the rise and Liga Mackey's being as good as it always has been.
0: Well, yeah. Look, like, like I just mentioned, uh, Marco Antonio Garces. He, he, and his uh, in the video that LAFC put out, he he said in his words, they were like I knew MLS is the next big thing," and he's like, "I knew I was gonna." He he talked about that. He knew he was gonna come to the MLS uh, eventually because he knew it, it was the next big, best thing, and I think that's already happening. Um, and there was some some rumblings that you know there was a couple uh, Liga MX coaches that could have been in the front running for the LAFC job. For whatever reason, that ended. Obviously, that ended up happening. But I think the MLS is very, uh, very attractive to to a lot of people down down in Mexico. Obviously, players, obviously coaches, and now you're seeing the front office. Even uh, Dennis DeCloose, who is the. Who, who was a uh, the former GM or GM sporting director for the for the for the LA Galaxy? He was uh, he he was president. I forgot was well. He was with the Mexican national team. So I think you're already starting to see that, and that's actually happening. And also uh, I think about the MLS, you're also starting to see players that are go, that are instantly making the the move to Europe, right? You have Weston McKinney's, You have the Christian Pulisic. But you also see guys like Pepe. You know, what I'm saying right. guys like, like that that you. They're going right away, you know. Someone who follows the Mexican national team and sees how the U.S. is able to develop and send those players right away, I, I think you, the players, people, players, coaches are looking down down in Mexico, be like, hey, I would like to be part of that. Hey, it's definitely going. because you know we saw the All Star game here in L.A. I was able to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Pepe won it, but you saw that. I, I, yeah, you can talk about the CONCACAF Champions League, but I don't think there's that big of a difference. Yeah, if you're playing FC Cincinnati against Club America, there's going to be a big difference. Let's right. <laughs> <laughs> not, it's not, it's not, it's not get it wrong, right? You know what I'm saying, yeah. but but if you're talking an LAFC and LA Galaxy and NYCFC against Club America or Chivas, uh, the the competition's going to be there. It's it's literally going to be uh, by, by a fraction, or you know, whether it's an offside or something like that. The, the, the competition level is there, and I think for me. I would like to see more preseason games with like Club America or Chivas or something yeah. like that. I know, I know they're gonna have the tournament. I think after after in two years or where I forgot what the tournament Twenty twenty three. Like yeah. What's the what's the tournament tournament called? I forgot because both leagues are stopping in both leagues, are cup. Leagues, yeah, leagues cup leagues cup leagues that's cup. That's right. So yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait for that because everybody get, gets a fair shot mm-hmm. at that. Both leagues are stopping, and you get to really see. Um, and by then, you know, you, you're gonna really see how strong both. Both of these leagues really are. I don't know if we're ever going to have one big league, but I think Leagues Club is, is, is as close as we're going to get.
1: So uh, expectations for this. This is my favorite question to ask guests. What would make 2022 a successful season for LAFC, especially with, you know, Uh, A first year manager. Is it just uh, an improvement off last year? Is it making the playoffs? Is it a deep run? Like what is a successful season for LAFC this year?
0: Look, I don't I want to speak on behalf of the fans, but I think it, it definitely has to be some something like a deep run. I don't know. You know, it's kind of hard because I haven't really seen how Chirono is able to coach. I haven't seen how, you know, how it is, like I said, he if he's down one or two, oh, he's down a man, and seen those things. But I think uh, the fans, you know, you look at this team, right? You look at – you got Carlos Vela, you got Chicho Rongo, you brought Brian Rodriguez, you got Kevin Acosta, Max Capro. You look at that team and anywhere around the league and you can be like, OK, this team has the, the capability of, go, of going deep because of the names I just mentioned. Right. RSL does not have that type of team. Right. And they made a deep run. You know what I'm saying? So that's the way I look at it. If a club's like RSL, which I know it's, you know, one in a million chances or whatever of that happening and things have to play, you know, and credit to RSL for, for, for being strong and, you know, the way they played. But if you have the names that I mentioned, regardless of who's a coach, you have to be able to make a deep run. And I think that should be the minimum. I don't know if that's MLS Cup. Right. Because it's it's hard to say in a first year coach to, to, to take you there. And I don't and I don't know how, you know, Steve's coaching maybe give me come back to me in like two months or something like that. Three months where I actually have a deeper understanding. But, yeah, I would say a, a definitely a deep run. I think I think if you're an LA team that plays in la if you're lafc or la galaxy like the expectation should be minimum uh it should always be the playoffs i don't think the lafc and la galaxy should ever be messing the playoffs with the type of players they're able to to bring in the type of coaches they're able to attract and playing also in a big market
1: all right well thank you for coming on Gio. where can people find your stuff again
0: yeah man uh th- thank you uh la soccer hub so you can check me out la soccer hub we have a podcast so we talk about both teams we even it up uh we have guests reporters we have fans sometimes uh yeah and then if you guys want to follow me personally you can check me out geo garcia la on twitter
1: and we are back from our interview with geo thank you geo for coming on that was a great deep dive into lafc uh I had some thoughts on that that I that I am just blank on right now, <laughs>
2: but um, Steve Chirundula, Bob Bradley, yes. What are your thoughts, Jordan. What, what, what do you think? Because I know you and I texted after well, Steve this. played under Bob, so right. this is interesting. Yeah, but what are you really thinking, Jordan? <laughs> like how how do you think this goes with Steve? Because I, I I have my concerns. I have my concerns with the fact that this league is not a league that tends to take very kindly to first year coaches, players, like it, it's a really tough, tough, tough transition. And I will say it, while you can point to maybe the, the, the Las Vegas lights being, you know, not so important than the records, but they, they were like atrocious last season. I mean, to the point where it's glaringly bad. Uh, how I, bad think,
1: they I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Um. I, look, my expectation is a playoff spot. I don't think mm-hmm. you can ask for a deep playoff run for them. For a first-year coach, though, I do think that's probably LAFC fans' expectations. They're not going to back down from that. But for me, uh, look, Trundolo. Like I said, uh, so I remember him playing. Okay, and I remember after he retired, he joined Hanover '96, which is my German team, <laughs> as a uh, as like a um as like an assistant or something for for youth teams. And people were kind of high on him. Back then, mm-hmm. uh, I think they were high on him until that Las Vegas lights record, really. And I don't think we can really throw the baby out the bathwater, I guess. Um, You know, there I think Trundolo probably does have <laughs> he, he has deeper experience than just Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you look at, OK, he's been part of the German system. He's familiar with. Football over in Europe. Like he, he understands the game more than just, okay, this is a college coach or whatever getting promoted or something. This is, this is different. But, um, it is going to be tough for him. But if, yeah. if what Gio is saying and the players are like Vela's, if Vela is in a good mood, then yeah. I think that this could spell some good things because they have a roster that really, if they just play simple tactics, look. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about soccer: you don't have to go overboard with the tactics. If you just play simple tactics and you have the talent, the talent is most of the time going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's when we try to fit systems with players that don't work, or when we try to fit things, like trying to fit a, a you know a square peg in a round hole. That are you ends talking up- about Greg Berhalter, Jordan? No, not even particularly. My, my point being that, you know, when we try to do things that are making it more complicated, yeah. uh, then then it, it creates complications, right? Uh, if he – and we don't know how he's going to play this, so he could overcomplicate it. That's the thing. But if he goes out there and just plays uh, soccer, like if he it, if it just gets them to play the way LAFC played under Bob, and they just have better defense and better goalkeeper and better attackers now, like and a deeper bench. That's really the thing. Getting like mm-hmm. players like Tashuri Shadi and stuff like that is huge because I feel like while LAFC always had a really good eleven, they weren't very deep at times. Right. And now I feel like they're deep. So I, I do think they'll be okay with Steve Trundolo, and I guess that's what we'll have to see. Yeah. But it's one of those, it is a question mark. How will this go for Steve and how will this go for LAFC? What they want to avoid is a situation that the galaxy found themselves in mm-hmm. where they were successful. And at, let's remember galaxy had a much higher successful right. peak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They had won three MLS cups. Uh, if I remember in a row, maybe not in a row, but they were, they were very close together. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then that was with the Robbie Keane, the Beckham, the the Donovan era. Then you know they fall apart. Then they go through some coaching changes. Then they're in that pay, look literally like the last three or four years, right? Has been the Galaxy needing to win on on decision day to get into the playoffs, and them not being able to do that. Yeah, and. What you want for LAFC, okay, let's not have a repeat of last year. Let's immediately get back in the playoffs to get over this hump where we're able to make an impact. What you don't want is having the same sort of layout of Bob was the success. Then he has a down season and he leaves. And then they go through coaching changes. And then they continue to go through coaching changes. And they can't ever get back into the playoffs. They should be better than that. And I think they will be better than that. And I do think that they'll be fine but uh it is it is a question mark and again what how does the hot does he need a hot start if they go zero and four minnesota style this season does the pressure mount where he loses some of the locker room or he loses the fans and then the pressure's on and the players start feeling the pressure and maybe they're making mistakes and that's the kind of thing you want to go out there and immediately win like three out of four and put all those doubts to, to rest.
2: Yeah. And like you said, I, they've got such a talented roster that if it's all clicking, it's going well. And like you said, if, if they're playing simple soccer and they're getting, you know, attacking chances uh, their biggest thing is going to have to short the defense. But if they can do that, and I think they can with uh Tujori coming in uh, on the right-hand side, um, and you got Mamadou Fall, who is only, you know, 19 years old and growing into a position. Um, and you get guys back like Segura, uh, and healthy. This team could compete. And Maxine Cropo, Jordan, is like we always talk about Andre Blake, we talk about Matt Turner, we talk about Pedro. Maxine Cropo is, is up there in the top five of the goalkeepers in this league. Uh, and he is a, a stud in between the posts, great at uh, shot stopping. So it, it's going to be interesting because I do think they have shored up and he's going to, he's going to get some points. I think he's going to make up some of these points that I think they would normally lose. Um, when they had guys like Pablo Cisniega. I, I think you've got a good mix. I think you've got a really good young talent. Um, and a lot of these players, I mean, they're, they, they've got a pretty young roster unlike the galaxy where it was kind of like they, they just seemed to be collecting older players that, that have just not panned out. I, I think that LAFC, expectations, Jordan, have always been, um, like Atlanta's, uh, extremely good because they've been extremely good at the peak of their – or right at the beginning of their, um, you know, run in the MLS. And they haven't had tough years like, you know, Cincinnati and, you know, some of these other teams that have kind of poked their ways through. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm interested to see what Steve does. I'm interested to see if they can get in the attacking third and, and, you know, finish all these chances with how many prolific goal scorers they could have. Um, and if they can defend uh, and kind of tighten up the midfield because it, it, it is going to be a huge loss, not having a door to to us. So.
1: And what I will say for all the LAFC fans out there, I'm rooting for Steve Trundolo. Yeah. He was one of my favorites watching the U S men's national team. He's the reason why I like can over 96 him. And, you know, DeMarcus Beasley played there for a bit and Trundolo then, you know, joined the coaching staff there. He's beloved there. And, um, Yeah, so, you know, I I am rooting for him to succeed because he was one of my favorites to watch growing up, as old as that makes me feel. Uh, So next week, uh, next episode is Charlotte. And Ben Wright, who covers Nashville, uh, posted this on Twitter today. So they played a game uh, Mm -hmm. together, Nashville and Charlotte. Nashville beat them 3-1 in a preseason when Walker Zimmerman, coming from the U S men's national team qualifying comes in. And uh, so Nashville beat them three to one. And he says, I know you guys didn't get a stream of the game, but Charlotte really didn't create much at all. When they had possession, it was mostly in their own half. So uh, kind of concerns that we had had for Charlotte and that we'll probably discuss in the next episode. Mm -hmm. As we look ahead to, You know, this newest team coming in MLS, are they prepared? Are they ready? Maybe from the sounds of it, not. We'll see. Um, If any Charlotte fans are listening before this episode, before we record that episode, uh, give us your thoughts on are you worried about the start of the season? Are you guys prepared as it takes, you know, kicks off in like three weeks, less than three weeks or so. So uh, let us know. But um, you can follow us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email us Stateside Show at gmail.com. And uh, let's not forget, Logan, that you had next year, 77 points LAFC winning the Supporter Shield. I have that written down in our notes from one of the <laughs> from one of the episodes we had done uh, mid-season or yeah, near the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> so, what a
2: move that was, huh? <laughs>
1: So we'll see. You've, you you That was before Bob left and everything. I think. So we'll really see how that prediction pans out. But I'm really glad I wrote that down. Um. Uh. Or maybe that was me. I don't know. I, I think.
2: No, that was you, definitely you, me. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say you also I also, had, I also right.
1: wrote down you also said 77 points for the union. So I'm not sure Right. I'm not sure which is which. Uh but Both. I said both. You both. The, okay, but we were so we about, were tied yeah. and then LFC wins the supporter shield on Okay. Right, on default. Got it.
2: Yeah. Like it, there's a lot to we'll go over in next episode.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh thanks everybody for watching and have a great
2: rest of your week. Steve little better hope that the lights work better uh, in L.A. than they do in Las Vegas.
1: That's awful. I can't make a shirt of that one.
0: <laughs> Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on!
1: Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the u.s men's national team americans abroad mls usl this is stateside soccer show presented by stoppage time soccer show have a good one